Welcome, everybody, to the Ace Field Retro Wrestling Podcast, and we are here discussing the WWE Elimination Chamber 2022 live from Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And the show was about, I would say, 12 hours ago. Finally getting a chance to I finish it up. Wanted to get on here and discuss the happenings because what was once a one-off event where they would just go to Saudi Arabia once a year, just do a glorified house show has become a very important part to WWE storylines. And it seems like, you know, they're going to continue to go there. And Elimination Chamber was uh, definitely proof that Saudi Arabia is here to stay. So no longer are they just going for Crown Jewel, which don't get me wrong, is becoming uh, one of the big four pay-per-views or treating it as such. Uh, but this is the first time that the road to WrestleMania has gone through Saudi Arabia. Uh, and it was definitely an eventful show. There are some ups and downs. We will get through all of them. Uh, but just to highlight the preview of it, we have uh, two matches uh, held inside the Elimination Chamber. One women's, one, one men's. Uh, the women's would be determining who would face Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. And then we also have uh, the other one for the men's uh, world uh, WWE World Championship. So, uh, and then obviously we had some other things going on throughout the night. Uh, we had Drew McIntyre in action. We had Ronda Rousey in action. But let's just jump right into the show. And this, uh, obviously, they tried to fit a lot into this card. Uh, and again, Elimination Chamber has historically been the final stop on the road to WrestleMania. And we pretty much have our full card in place. There are still rumors about what uh, the special guests will be. Obviously, we have the rumors of Steve Austin returning. Now we have rumors of uh, Shawn Michaels returning. Uh, but as far as the major storylines, everything was cemented in stone uh, following Elimination Chamber. And we started out with the opening match after the pre-show, which started at 11 a.m. But the main show, which we will go through, started at noon, uh, and that was Eastern time. And it started out with Rey Mysterio and The Miz. And this uh, was a match that the crowd, I mean, let's be honest, the Saudi Arabia crowd is always up for the action, they give big pops to all these names. And as much grief as we want to give some of the characters and the storytelling, the crowd loves everything that they do uh, in WWE. And kudos to them. They're in the right spot. Uh, as far as this match goes, it was fine. There was nothing really special about it. It was the typical uh, Miz match and the typical Rey Mysterio match. Um, as mentioned before, throughout these matches, the heel and face dynamic was a little bit off. Uh, if you read some of the reports, if you haven't watched the match, uh, it was just confusing who was the face and who was the heel. Obviously, Miz usually plays the heel, uh, but the fans were definitely behind the Miz a bit uh, during this match. I think they were just excited to have wrestling in Saudi Arabia, so that might have been it. Um, so let's see. So Miz jumped Mysterio immediately at the bell, and Mysterio made a comeback and went for a 619, but Miz bailed to the outside. Ray hit a sliding dive to the outside, splashing Miz. Ray went to jump off the turnbuckle, but Miz crouched him to regain control. And now it's just wonder why Maurice wasn't around. Um, but I think we all know why she wasn't around, because she couldn't be at ringside due to the fact of Saudi Arabia's rules. Um, after Miz confronted Dominic at ringside, Dominic struck him, allowing Mysterio to get a two count. Michael Cole said that Miz deserved it because he took a swipe at Dominic. Ray made a comeback and sent Miz into the ring post. Uh, Mysterio connected with a seated senton and a crossbody. Uh Miz cut Mysterio off the DDT. Mysterio blocked the skull crusher finale and connected with a 619. He went for the splash and he escaped outside. Uh, they gave this match a little bit more time than I originally anticipated they would give it. Um, 
maybe we're looking at a push for Rey Mysterio, but I think we all know where this is going as far as WrestleMania goes. Uh, Dominic argued with the referee but was thrown out, and Miz took advantage of the situation by trying to lay out Rey uh, with the skull-crushing finale one more time, but Mysterio countered with the victory roll for the win. Uh, after the match, Miz jumped Dominic, and the Mysterios proceeded to lay out Miz, hitting a double 619, and both Dominic and Ray laid out Miz with a frog splash. So that was the confusing part of, about heel-face thing. Obviously, Miz plays the heel. He jumped him from the beginning, but it uh, wasn't real face-like for the Mysterios to be jumping uh, him after the match, and uh, a little bit confusing. I think we are moving towards a tag match, uh, and I will get to the news following, uh, get, through, get through the card, but there were some news about who potentially misses part it will be at WrestleMania uh, and whether you like it or not. I know Jack Tomlinson will like it because we talked about him hint, hint on our podcast. So uh, this match was decent. It was a decent opener. I'm glad to see Ray Messier getting a little bit more, uh, more of a push here in WWE because for, for a bit there, he was just hidden in the car and he's way too talented to be wasting uh, the latter years of his career toiling in um, the undercard. But uh, I think we are going to be seeing that tag match at WrestleMania. We're going to have Ray and Dominic versus The Miz and a mystery partner. And the mystery partner has pretty much been revealed, not on WWE television, but through the, the dirt sheets. But uh, stay tuned for that when we get to the news around wrestling at the end of the show. And I will definitely discuss who is rumored and almost confirmed to be his partner. Moving on to the bigger match, we had Roman Reigns defeating Goldberg to retain the WWE Universal Championship. And this was a sprint from the start, a very short match, pretty much the typical Goldberg uh, latter half of his career WWE match. I'm pretty sure it was under five minutes. Anything longer, I don't think Goldberg would have been able to handle. Um, I have to say I was skeptical about this match. Uh, was not a fan of Goldberg being placed in the Universal title picture, but it was fun for what it was. The Saudi Arabia crowd loved Goldberg. He definitely seemed to be very over. They were very excited to see him. Um, but again, this was formula uh, formulaic type of match where Goldberg uh, hit his spots, Reigns hit his spots, uh, there was no fluff in the middle. They just hit the big moves, and uh, they went home. So going through the match, um, the two locked up. Reigns sent Goldberg to the outside and tried to send Goldberg into the barricade, but Goldberg countered and threw Reigns into the barricade instead. Reigns attacked Goldberg in the ring, but Goldberg fired back with a spear. Uh, Reigns cut off a jackhammer attempt and hit the urinagi. Reigns connected with a Superman punch, but they going for the finishes. Reigns went for a spear. Goldberg countered with his own. And then Reigns again blocked the jackhammer and latched on, latched on the guillotine. Goldberg tried to fight out of it by using the corner, but Reigns stayed on, and Goldberg passed out, and that was it. Interesting finish here. Um, this is Goldberg's final match in WWE. He put over Reigns really strong. Uh, final match of this current contract. We don't know if maybe he'll sign on for another uh, couple matches because we know how WWE loves booking Goldberg. Uh, but Reigns walked away looking really strong, uh, as you'll see throughout the whole show. The uh, the whole point of this show was to build up the main event, Roman Reigns, and the eventual WWE champion, Brock Lesnar, as you guys can see in the bottom scroll. Uh, surprise, surprise. So they left Reigns looking really, really strong. Um, I have no problem with the match. I wasn't I wasn't a fan of when they booked it, but if Goldberg is going to be used to uh, make others look strong and just be used for spots like this, I have no problem with it. My problem is with Goldberg when, he, when he's beating guys like the, the Fiend. Last time uh, we saw Saudi Arabia, uh, host a show at Crown Jewel a few years back, you know, ending the Fiend's reign. Like, I would have been really upset if he would have beat Reigns here, but they made right, the right decision. Reigns uh, retains his championship. And I think we're looking at 533 days at this, 537 days. So it's the longest uh, world heavyweight championship reign 
in the WWE in like 30 plus years. So uh, if Reigns is going to retain at WrestleMania, I think we're going to be seeing a historic reign. Why not? He is the be all end all on the WWE main roster and why just keep the title on him. His, he continues to be the bright spot on SmackDown uh, in all of WWE. And he's really fun to watch, but again, I have no problem with this match. I'm, I'm very critical of Goldberg and the way he's used, but uh, if he's going to be used this way, I have no problem with it. He made Reigns look really, really strong going into his main event match against Brock Lesnar. So uh, kudos to WWE for booking it correctly. And this reminded me of that WrestleMania match between Brock and uh, Goldberg, where we didn't really expect much. It was the rematch of WrestleMania 20 all those years later. And uh, they just hit all their finishes and it was great. So similar to the Lesnar matches, uh, it's formulaic. They have certain spots they want to hit. And then they go home. They don't waste time. You know, obviously Goldberg's not in there for endurance purposes. He's going in there just to hit the big power spots. And it worked. And uh, check out this match. I didn't think it was bad at all. But obviously nothing uh, catches catch can or technical. Uh, but again, both of the guys hit their spots. And surprising to me that he didn't just take a pin. He passed out, which made Reigns look even stronger. So they're really putting over the choke, the guillotine choke that Reigns is doing and making him look like, uh, a bona fide badass. I mean, I don't, I can't remember the last time Goldberg either passed out or tapped out ever. I'd have to go back and look throughout the history of WCW and in his WWE run. I don't think there's been a time where Goldberg uh, tapped or passed out for a submission move. So uh, that's putting Reigns over really strong. Moving on to the first elimination match, we had Bianca Belair defeating Dewdrop, Nikki Ash, Alexa Bliss, Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley uh, in. You know, what was a pretty quick match for Elimination Chamber match. Uh, everyone was going for pinfall, pinfalls very early. Uh, the crowd was very into it, uh, but they definitely kept the spot simple. There were some reports earlier in the day that uh, Vince McMahon had a lot of ideas about what he wanted specifically in each of these Elimination Chamber matches. I'm, I'm sure we'll see over the next couple of weeks what those exactly were. Uh, but I think everyone was still mostly covered uh, as far as Coverage goes on their body. Uh, they were not wearing T-shirts like the other uh, times they were in Saudi Arabia, so that was nice. We saw full body suits for most of the women wrestlers here because of uh, the fact that Saudi Arabia has rules or whatever against women wrestling. So uh, WWE wants to talk about making a difference. Uh, I still think it's very disrespectful to have the women having to cover their, cover their bodies, but um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, not getting into the political dis uh, discord about that I just, you know, I'm not a fan of even, even doing the shows here. And this is one of the reasons it's a disrespect to women that they can't dress in certain attire. But anyway, so Morgan and Nikki started things off. Nikki slammed Morgan into the padding on the outside, but Morgan fired back and threw Nikki into a nearby pod. Nikki then threw Morgan into the chain link fence. Dewdrop entered first and acted like she wanted a team with Nikki, but instead laid her out and splashed her into the chain link fence. And the same to Morgan, also taking her out with a running senton. Uh, Dewdrop hit the ring post while trying to charge Nikki, leaving Ash by herself. When Rhea entered the ring next, Dewdrop tried to attack uh, Ripley and Ripley laid her out. Both Ripley and Nikki tried to climb the cage with Ripley sending Nikki's head into the fence. Nikki fell, sending her crashing into uh, Liv Morgan and Dewdrop and Ripley took her back into the ring pin Nikki following the riptide. So Alexa entered the ring next. I just want to note about Alexa. She was not wearing the uh, her old attire, I, I think they were hinting at it at Raw that she was done with the Lily doll and all that. She was still in her attire, um, the Fiend-inspired attire. 
Uh, so they haven't fully moved on from that yet. Uh, so she entered the ring next, and Morgan took her out, but Dewdrop pushed her off the post into a pod. Dewdrop took out Ripley, and Morgan fired back with a sunset flip, uh, pinning Dewdrop. So Dewdrop uh, was eliminated here. Uh, Bianca entered the ring last as she and Ripley took out Bliss and Morgan. And let's just mention Bianca got a huge, huge ovation. Uh, probably the most overtalent in this match, I would say. Every woman got uh, a huge ovation in this match, but I think Bianca was the most popular. Uh, once they hit stereo suplex on both, they went back and forth until Liv hit a double code breaker. Bliss took out Liv uh, and hit a twisted Bliss to eliminate Liv. Um, so Ripley went for the riptide on Bel Air, but Bliss got involved and hit Bel Air with the KOD on Ripley to eliminate her, leaving it down to just Bianca and Alexa Bliss. So uh, I think at this point, everyone sort of knew it would be Bianca, but knowing WWE, who knew, who knows what they're doing with the, the booking. Um, you know how they love... Uh, a big swerve. So we didn't know if potentially Alexa could get the win here. Uh, the two went back near the chain link fence where Baylor powerbomb Alexa into the fence. Uh, Bianca went for a 450 splash and missed. Alexa then went for a DDT. And, but Bianca managed to avoid it twice uh, after some near falls back and forth, some uh, good spots. Uh, Bliss told Baylor to give up and Baylor responded by hitting the KOD on Bliss by pinning and pinning her to win the match. So, uh, good match. Bianca uh, definitely looked strong in this match. And we'll see if they can get some momentum behind her because she's lost all the steam in her uh, in her momentum going out of SummerSlam after being pinned by Becky Lynch uh, in just seconds. So she is back in the same spot she was last year. She didn't win the Rumble, but she is going to be facing and going for the Raw Women's Championship. And we'll see if she can beat Becky at WrestleMania uh, and get back to where she was at this time last year because she was emerging as a huge, huge star, and they just dropped the ball with her. And I think what was well-intentioned at first to have a long-term storyline to have Becky beat her, and then Bianca will eventually get her revenge, never really panned out. Um, they seem to have finally gotten there, but you know, through these curbs and you know all these dead-end roads for Bianca, she's finally back to the spot, and I think they're really, they're, they're starting from square one. So let's hope she gets her moment at WrestleMania and they can get her back to a spot where uh, she's an emerging talent that will be one of the faces in the women division, women's division. I think she's uh, super talented. You know, the crowd loves her. Uh, they had something with her. I hope they get her back to the spot where uh, potentially she was last year. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, we know how they, how they book and, WWE is booking for WrestleMania backlash a lot of times with WrestleMania. So a lot of times they want the face to lose and they're not treating WrestleMania as the conclusion. They're just treating it as part of the story. Uh, you know, personally, I would put the title on Bianca. There's no reason that Becky still has to remain champion. She's one of those, uh, one of those competitors that doesn't even need the championship. I think it would go a really long way in putting the title back on Bianca because she's, uh, she desperately needs to be the face of the women's division to get back to where she was. I thought this match was decent. It was, like I mentioned before, it was pretty quick for a women's, uh, just an elimination chamber match in general. These matches usually go very long, uh, but both elimination chamber matches were quick. Uh, they definitely were very formulaic. And then you'll hear me say that word a couple times tonight. Uh, formulaic because of the fact that they uh, just had a, a purpose. There was no uh, real storytelling. It was just spot after spot after spot and then hidden hitting certain moves at certain times. Um, they didn't let it build up to a point where there was any drama. Uh, the eliminations were definitely 
uh, anticlimactic. Uh, there were a couple spots where it just seemed the eliminations came out of nowhere. Maybe that's the point of the match. You want to seem like some death, but uh, the other elimination chamber matches in the past definitely had a little bit more drama that built up and a little, a little bit more of the unpredictable factor that made them fun to watch because it seemed like a, uh, a preconceived notion that you'd have Bianca win in the match, which is fine. I think it's the right decision. Uh, but once they came down to her and Alexa, it seemed like the obvious choice was Bianca going to win. It took away a lot of the uh, drama and the suspense. Let's move on to the other match, which is Ronda Rousey and Naomi defeating Sonya Deville and Charlotte. So this match was just kind of there, uh, not not here nor there. Uh, Naomi definitely had some cool spots in the match. Ronda looked fine despite having, uh, obviously, the one arm tied behind her back. Um this match easily could have been on SmackDown or Raw, and it wouldn't have been the highlight of the show. So that's saying a lot. I mean, especially since this is Ronda's first time back in the ring since she returned after a few years uh, away. Uh, we are building towards Ronda and Charlotte. That will be the main event on one of the nights for the SmackDown Women's World Championship. Uh, but, you know, this match just is part of the story, and I think it's just one of those uh, pieces that they're going to use to build towards the match. And it definitely didn't have – it definitely wasn't one of those memorable spots for me. Um, maybe someone feels differently. Uh, was an interesting note, Ronda came out in uh, a gi, uh, similar to – I don't know. There is footage of her wearing the same exact outfit uh, elsewhere, so not sure where the footage is from, but it definitely was a callback to something else. Um, Michael Cole did say on commentary it was the same gi she wore when she won the bronze medal in judo. That's what it is, in 2008 Olympics. A cool callback for her. Uh, so Sonia immediately revealed that her arm had recovered. Rousey's arm was not tied behind her back, but was tied to her side. Uh, Naomi was tagged in, but Sonia cut her off by pushing her into the turnbuckle as Naomi attempted a bulldog. Uh, moving towards the end, we had Rousey getting tagged back in and took out Sonia Deville with the Piper's Pit Simone drop and latched on the armbar. Uh, Charlotte didn't even bother getting in the ring to help Sonia. She quickly submitted. So again, this match could have been on SmackDown. Definitely wasn't a pay-per-view or a premier live event uh, worthy match. Um, it was one. It was just there, like I mentioned. So nothing crazy. Uh, weird to be using Ronda in this spot, but I know it's a slow build towards WrestleMania. You want her big match to be at WrestleMania, but uh, like I said, this tag match definitely didn't have any sort of special feel, especially when you have two of the biggest faces in the women's division in the ring together. You think it would feel special, but it really didn't. Uh, moving on to this match and. You know, it's it's crazy to me, I mean, that Drew McIntyre is going to be really wasted in this feud with Baron Corbin. And it seems like that's what we're doing. For a bit there, you seem, you seem like it would have been, there's no way they're going to go with this match, and it's just going to be a small speed bump in his uh, road to WrestleMania, and he's going to be back into the WWE Championship picture. Drew McIntyre uh, is moving on to bigger and better things, but I guess not. We had Drew McIntyre defeating Riddick Moss in a false count anywhere match. And this match will be definitely known for the spot where Riddick Moss landed on his head. It's become a meme already. People are uh, tweeting the picture out. Thank God he's okay. But it definitely did not look, um, didn't look good. That's for sure. Uh, again, this match was just there. Uh, I'm still stuck on the fact that Drew McIntyre is stuck in mid-card hell after two years of being involved in the main event. You know, we'll go back to, uh, the first WrestleMania that was held at the Performance Center uh, in 2020, where he defeated 
Lesnar for the championship. You thought you made a new star. He was the next guy going to be on the same level as Roman Reigns and go on to the next year. He's facing Bobby Lashley for the championship, and they have him lose live in front of an audience. The first match that we have in front of an audience in over a year, and you have him lose. And then you go back to this year. He returns at the Rumble after having having his neck injured by Moss and Baron Corbin. That was supposed to put him out for a significant amount of time because he needed surgery. So it's like, okay, well, they're just going to write him off TV, like give some heat to Rick Moss and Drew McIntyre. And now we're stuck. We're mere weeks, six weeks away from WrestleMania. And it really seems like they're going to pull the trigger on Drew McIntyre just going to be wrestling Baron Corbin. That's really disappointing. Obviously, both world championships are tied up in the be-all, end-all feud, which we will get to. We know that Roman retained his universal title. Uh, and the WWE Championship is not going to be defended in another match. It's going to be involved in that one match with Roman and Brock. But it's real. It's a real shame with how they dropped the ball with Drew. And it's not Drew's fault. I mean, it's not Drew's fault that there weren't fans in the arena for his big moment. And maybe that would have made all the difference in the world for Vince or whoever is in charge of making him uh, stuck in mid-card hell. But I think Drew deserves more. And... Going through some of the spots in this match, I mean, we talked about Moss landing on his on his neck. Um, I personally have zero idea how the match wasn't stopped at, and how his neck wasn't broken. If you watch the spot, it looked absolutely horrendous, like I mentioned. Uh, wow. So he's really lucky he's okay. I mean, people have broken their necks on less than what just happened. So um, we had Baron Corbin immediately jumping McIntyre at the bell. McIntyre chased Corbin out of the arena and cut off Moss, who tried to jump him from behind. Corbin came back and with a double stunt, and the two with a double suplex. Moss hit a fall away slam on the ramp. Uh, moving towards the end, we had McIntyre hit the future side DDT as Corbin entered the ring to interfere again. Drew took out the sword, but scared off Corbin, still carrying his sword. McIntyre drilled Moss with a Claymore kick for the win. So that was the ending of the match. Uh, again, nothing really to write home about. I'm just more stuck on the fact that they're wasting Drew McIntyre in a mid-card feud where he easily should be a main eventer. He should be one of those made guys that is in a big spot. And I wouldn't consider wrestling Baron Corbin at WrestleMania a big spot. You know, we're 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 moving in circles with him and the fact that he's not injured and needing to be out for an extended period of time. I understand they probably didn't have plans for him if they didn't plan on having him there. Uh, but he's the type of guy you just write into plans. You know, you're wasting him right now, and these are key, key moments to make Drew McIntyre the next guy. Uh, and they seem to have dropped the ball, and it's such a shame because there's a way that there's a world and a way that you can make Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre on the same level playing field, but it's just not the case right now. You, know, you want new stars, you want guys to carry the the flag and be the guys to sell out arenas. Uh, but to catch twenty two, you keep wasting. Uh, big spots for guys like Goldberg getting trying to call Steve Austin back, trying to get Shawn Michaels back. Um, but what's going to happen when those guys are gone? You need to have big stars. And Drew McIntyre was supposed to be a ready-made star. The crowd loved him. The crowd continues to love him. Uh, but you got to give him something to cheer for. And, uh, you know, yeah, he's going to win a WrestleMania, and that's fine. And maybe there's another WWE Championship match in his future. But, after everything they put into him and after all, I mean, Lesnar gave him a huge rub. Look at what they're doing with Lesnar now. Drew McIntyre has beaten uh, Brock clean, and he's stuck in this mid-card match with 
Baron Corbin going into WrestleMania. That's a shame. Uh, before we move on to the next match, we had Miz in a backstage promo that said he was outnumbered in the pre-show uh, tonight against Ray. He said he would find a tag team partner excusing himself to make a phone call. So hinting at who would be his partner at WrestleMania. Again, we'll get into at the end uh, who the rumored and almost confirmed person to be a part of this match with Ray, Dominic, Miz at WrestleMania. Uh, they showed the, the WWE superstars having fun in Jeddah because Saudi Arabia is obviously a fun place you want to visit on vacation with your family. Um, you know, if you forget about all the human rights violations that go on. So uh, WWE doing their best propaganda spin to make Saudi Arabia look like this uh, Disney World of fun. So just keep that in mind. All right, Becky Lynch defeated um, Lita to retain the Royal Women's Championship. And I have a very strong opinion on this match, and it's not a good one. Lita has no business being in a ring in 2022. I appreciate everything Lita's ever done in, in WWE. She is undoubtedly a legend, uh, but her offense looks unbelievable. Uh, she looks slow. Uh, I give Becky a lot of credit for trying to make this match look passable. It just wasn't. I mean, it was a bad match. Uh, there were This is awesome chance by the Saudi Arabia crowd. Not sure what they were watching. There were just near falls. There were spots where it looked like Lita potentially could win the match. Uh, but the offense that she had going was horrendous. There was a spot at one point that uh, she had a sleeper in, but she wasn't. She didn't even have her arm around Becky's neck. It just looked really sloppy. Her punches looked awful. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of Lita, but this is just an example. of You don't bring someone back who's not who's not able to do the things they used to do. And we saw that with Taker for some time. We see that with Goldberg for sure. He has to wrestle these sprint matches. Um, I'm afraid of what's going to happen with Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels. I mean, Kane, like we, we look at all these guys that just don't have the same in-ring ability they used to, because again, father time is undefeated and Lita has done great things in the ring. I mean, it picked up at the end. I'll give them credit there. There were some good near near falls. Some people are saying it's a great match. I just, if you look at Lita's offense, it's just not believable. She throws punches that look awful. And again, Becky did most of the heavy lifting in this match. And she's a great, great wrestler. Uh, and at one time, if I, you know, give me this match 10 years ago, where Becky, where Becky is now and where Lita was 10 years ago, I think it would have been a really good match. Um, we saw the match going back and forth early. Lita teased the twist of faith, but Lynch cut her off and pummeled her punches. Lynch hit a leg drop and applied a sleeper. Lita fought out of it and hit a monkey flip. And Lynch took Lita to the apron and leg drop Lita again for a near fall. Becky hit an exploder and went for a second, but Lita dropped Lynch with a DDT. And again, all these DDTs and the twist of fate, they look awful. If you remember, she hit the twist of fate on Raw, and that looked horrendous as well. So she like for whatever reason... Maybe it's just styles not meshing, but I think it's really Lita doesn't have the speed she used to have, and it's just it looks so unbelievably bad. And that's just my opinion. And you could disagree with it, but it just looks really, really bad. Uh, Lita and Becky traded punches as Lita connected with a cross body off the middle rope. They traded near falls. As I mentioned, there was a weird spot uh, where Becky got up and then suddenly just fell as Lita went for a sleeper. Uh, Becky went to the top rope, 
but Lita took Lita took her out with a head scissors takedown and hit the twist of fate for a near fall. Lita went for a moonsault, but Becky cut her off with a disarmer, and then the manhandle slam. But Lita put her foot on the ropes. Uh, at this point, the crowd is chanting, "This is awesome." Uh, Becky repeatedly slammed Lita's face into the mat and went for the moonsault, but Lita missed. Lita hit the twist of fate and then the moonsault, and then Becky kicked out again. Uh, so that was the big spot where everyone thought potentially Lita could be walking away as champion. Becky went to grab Lynch, but Lynch hit a second manhandle slam, pinning Lita for the three. Uh, so that was it for the match. People are saying this was a great match. I'm not sure exactly what they were watching. If you go back and watch the punches that Lita was throwing, they are just, they're not believable. She's moving slow. Becky had to really try her best to make this match uh, even competitive as far as what it looked like. And it just, like I said, it picked up again. If you're into near falls and suspend in belief that wrestling is, uh, if you can get past the fact it looked immensely fake, and that's a big pet peeve of mine when I'm watching wrestling, it has to have some air of believability, and there's just none in this match. Uh, so, again, WWE's relying on these older wrestlers and people that haven't been in the ring in some time. And, you know, instead of making new stars, there's no reason that another person couldn't have been in this match with Lita. I mean, with Becky Lynch instead of Lita and this match would have been much, much better, but you know, neither here nor there. Uh, so they did confirm that uh, Becky Lynch will be defending against Bianca Belair. As I mentioned, she was the winner of the elimination chamber. That match should be very good. Both women are very talented. Bianca's in the prime of her career. I'm hoping that they give her the championship, but who knows with the way WWE books, they are uh, constantly uh, kicking the can down the road as, as booking goes and trying to make you uh, love these baby faces by having them lose. It's such a weird approach that they want to build these baby faces by beating them and beating them and beating them. And that might have a lot to do with how they book Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson. Uh, on the bill to WrestleMania 30, they believe that the way they booked him created him into the superstar, which is just inherently false. That's just not what happened. So they have this weird mentality of if we continue to beat someone, beat someone, beat someone, people will get behind them uh, and be, make them into this uber, uber baby face. And it just doesn't work. Eventually, these faces have to win matches, and that's how you get fans behind them. So you're not going to create new stars by squashing these these guys in – and girls in matches is just not going to happen. So I'm not sure exactly what they're trying to do as far as making new faces. It's just not working. They can't create new stars, which is why we continue to see, you know, Becky Lynch has having to defend against Lita. We're seeing Brock Lesnar just run roughshod over the whole roster. Um, so we were supposed to have the Usos and the Viking Raiders match. I was going to put it on here, but it didn't even happen, which I'm not sure if they just were running short on time. Uh, so the Viking Raiders, the music hit, they do their entrance, but the Usos jumped them as they were coming down to the ring for their match. Uh, they beat the crap out of them. Um, I, I just don't understand why you would fly them out. Like, you built the match up. Why not just have the match make it quick? But no. No match uh, after, you know, flying them all the way out there makes no sense to me. Um, you know, doesn't make me believe in the Viking Raiders at all. I'm just stuck saying they're a bunch of geeks that they got attacked. They're supposed to be these badasses, but you know, a couple punches in the beatdown uh, and they can't compete. So, oh, well, uh, makes no sense. All right. So we're at the main event and we had the aforementioned Brock Lesnar defeating Bobby Lashley, Austin Theory, Riddle, AJ Styles, and Seth Rollins uh, in an elimination chamber match to win the WWE championship. 
And let's be clear, this match was designed to make Brock into an unstoppable force going into facing Roman Reigns. And at this point, it's quite clear that they're putting all their eggs in the basket of Roman and Brock. That's the match. Uh, this will be the third time it's headlining WrestleMania. This is the be-all, end-all, and they're putting everything into making this match memorable. And that's fine. This is the match. This is what they want it to be. But there is a cost. There is a cost of what they're doing here. Uh, by building up Brock Lesnar, you're making everybody else look obsolete. And the shrapnel that is left in the wake of this is you are sacrificing future stars and current stars uh, just for a one-time payoff. So let's get into the match. Um, the only person that left this match aside from Brock Lesnar looking like a million dollars was Bobby Lashley because of the fact that Bobby didn't even get into the ring. So he lost his WWE championship without even getting into the ring. Uh, and I'll talk about that spot in a second when we get to it. Um, this match had a purpose and it served his purpose well. And that was to make Brock Lesnar look like an unstoppable force going into his match with Roman Reigns. Uh, but it didn't serve any other purpose. Uh, so I can't imagine Cody Rhodes feels really good or would feel good about coming here. I don't know how you look at this booking and say, I want to go there and be a part of this because, I mean, they have one agenda and that is to make Roman Reigns look strong and Brock Lesnar look strong. And if you're in between that and your name's not Brock and your name's not Roman, your book, the booking's not favorable for you. But sure, the paycheck's probably good. Uh, so Seth Rollins and Austin Theory started things off, and Austin hit a back suplex and a fisherman suplex, uh, and Rollins kicked out. Rollins connected with a super kick and threw Theory into the pod area where he, where he buckle-bombed Theory into uh, Lashley's pod, and this is the spot where Lashley was injured. Um, and they, the announcers pushed that Lashley might have hit his head on a steel beam. Uh, so Lashley was down and out in the pod. They had trainers going in there and checking him out. They eventually move, removed him, and he was put into concussion protocol and unable to compete. So they announced that mid-match. And similar to the rest of the matches, this was a sprint. Uh, this was paced in a way that they they were moving quick, and there were eliminations uh, pretty quickly. Uh, Riddle entered first uh, out of the pod as he was as he went after Rollins. He hit an exploder and running senton. Got a lot of good offense on Rollins. Rollins sold really well for him. Uh, as this was happening, Lashley was taken out of the chamber. AJ Styles came in. Uh, Styles came in control, and uh, he was trying to uh, take some offense to Riddle. And then Rollins got involved. Uh, they eventually turned that into a Tower of Doom spot with Theory taking out Styles and Rollins. And then Riddle connected with a floating bro. Riddle started to do Randy Orton's mannerisms. Uh, Lashley was supposed to enter next, but again, they, they mentioned they confirmed that he was put into concussion protocol, so he was not returning. Um, Lesnar kicked out of his pod, not waiting for his time to enter, which breaks all the rules. Shouldn't he be DQ'd or something? I know it's like a it's a match that has weapons and anything anything goes, but why, what's stopping anyone else from breaking out of the pod? Again, making Lesnar look like he's above all the other talent. Uh, so he immediately pinned Rollins and then Riddle with F5s, uh, and then AJ Styles as well. And then Lesnar set his sights on Theory, who ran around the ring and tried to escape. Uh, he could not escape Lesnar. And then Lesnar caught caught up to him and quickly took him out. Theory low-blowed Lesnar, giving him an opportunity to land a drop kick and a DDT. 
Brock kicked out of the DDT attempt as Theory climbed up the cage and tried to escape. Brock followed him up, and then Lesnar grabbed Theory and threw him off the pod with an F5. Pretty insane spot for Theory. Uh, Lesnar eventually pinned him to uh, become the new WWE champion. And again, this had one thing and one thing only, and the job was to make Lesnar look like a million dollars, and they did. So during the Rumble, he went in there and destroyed everybody. This was similar fashion. He went in there and made everybody look like a bunch of geeks. I mean, we go back in time. There was a time where Lesnar lost to Seth Rollins clean in the middle of the ring. I know there was low blows involved and whatever, but there was a time. Um, I think the only one that looked kind of strong here was Austin Theory because it took a super F5 to beat him. He did get some offense on Lesnar. And then Lashley obviously didn't enter the ring, so you're left with Reasonable doubt that if he was in there, he would have been able to defend his championship. But if he gets removed with injury, he can defend his championship, and then that that's that. Uh, but you got to kind of think about being removed in, in concussion pro- protocol for a pro wrestler. Uh, only when you've been – you weren't even powerbombed yourself. You were powerbombed – someone was powerbombed into you, and you hit your head on a post. Kind of Kind of weak, in my opinion, but – um, at least Lashley didn't lose, but again, the job of this match was obvious from the start. It was to make Lesnar look unstoppable, and they did just that. Um, the announcers quickly announced that it would be a champion versus champion match at WrestleMania, uh, but didn't specifically say both titles would be on the line, but I can assume they will be. Uh, the show went off the air with Lesnar celebrating with large fireworks display he was doing. Um the selfie shtick, and I can't deny that Lesnar is very, uh, very, very entertaining. We, I mean, I saw the, the McAfee interview. This version of Lesnar is the most entertaining version of Lesnar we've ever gotten. But that doesn't change the fact that you know there is there are going to be huge consequences for how they're booking Lesnar and Reigns, for that matter, uh, throughout this run. And they have to do a lot of rehabilitation for some of these guys that have fallen in the wake of Lesnar and Reigns. Because there is an, an upper echelon of the card, and it's just the two of them. And everybody else is underneath it. And I'm not sure that's so good for the health of the roster. Uh, there should be, you know, I understand there should be main eventers that are just above and beyond better than everybody else. But there's no reason that AJ Styles has to look that way. Seth Rollins shouldn't look that way. These are guys that are former WWE champions. Um, if Austin Theory is truly the guy that you want him to be, I mean... I'm not saying you should win this match, but all these guys just look like geeks in this match. And it just, it, to me, it, it's, it's short-sighted. And I think that's really the word for what WWE is doing here with Roman and Brock. It's short-sighted. They're just trying to get through WrestleMania and then screw whatever the future holds. We have to figure it out then. Uh, but eventually the, the future is going to be getting there and you're going to have to have new stars aside from Roman, because there's going to be a time where it wakes up and, Goldberg can't wrestle or Lesnar decides to hang it up or you can't call Steve Austin at retirement. You can't call HBK. You know, the belt did toll for a guy like Triple H. He can't come out of retirement because of the, the heart issue. Undertaker hung it up as well. There is going to be a time where you need those guys that right now you are putting on the back burner. They have to be developed into these huge stars because yeah, right now it's, you know, you're able to put seats, put butts in seats for WrestleMania but it's short-sighted. There, there should have been a way 
and no excuse right now for a guy like Seth Rollins. He should be the guy alongside Roman Reigns. You know, a guy like AJ Styles is an older guy, but there's no reason that he should be in the middle of the card. A guy like Bob, I can go down up and down the list. There should be future stars. And maybe Austin Theory will turn out to be the next John Cena. But right now, you're not making any progress towards making any new stars aside from cementing Reigns as the guy, which is great. Reigns is the guy, but Drew McIntyre is supposed to be an equal to him. And it's just like, you look at what he's doing on the card and it's Baron Corbin. So eventually you have to move away from Lesnar and Reigns. You can't do this every year, right? I mean, it's been three years now. So it seems like we're stuck in the mud here with, as far as booking goes. And some people love it. They, they, they eat this up and they will continue to watch the show. I just don't have high hopes for what it looks like for the future because they're relying so heavily on the past to just in a nearsighted way, just sell out a show and, and get people to watch. But eventually you have to figure out a way to make new stars. And imagine they had this mentality when Stone Cold was around, you know, they weren't able to move on from, you know, any of those guys. Imagine in this era, like we talked about with Brock Lesnar, the difference in time of him winning the Royal Rumble. So he won the Rumble, obviously first time 2003, that's when he was a young guy and then went on to main event WrestleMania against Kurt Angle. And the years in between where he wins 2022, that'd be like Hulk Hogan winning in 1990 and then coming back and winning all the way in 2001, 2002. It's, it's almost bizarre to even think about. So they have to figure out a way to make new stars. And it's not through beating guys into submission and making you root for them, root for the underdog. You have to make guys look strong. And they've done a good job at Reigns, but it's despite the rest of the card. So, in my opinion, this was an okay show. It's worth a watch. Go back and watch it. Uh, there were some good spots here as far as, like, the Roman match with Goldberg. Perfect, in my opinion. And I am a huge, huge critic of using Goldberg. And if he's never on my TV again, I'm okay with it. Uh, but if you're going to use Goldberg in this way, and to have him lose to a guillotine choke, and he's okay with that, uh, I'm okay with him being on the card because he didn't make Roman look any weaker. He uh, he hit his spots. He got a pop, and I know it's a Saudi crowd. He'd probably get booed in at you know Barclays Center or Chicago or whatever, uh, but the Saudi crowd loves him, and it's reinforcing uh, an, an echo chamber for WWE that they're doing the right thing. And maybe the Saudi crowd is not a good gauge about what the rest of the world feels like of the product, but we shall see at WrestleMania how they respond to some of these matches. Um, nothing was, I guess, I mean, a compliment would be nothing was like immensely bad where I walked away like that was horrendous. But nothing, there wasn't that five-star match on this card. And we haven't seen that in quite some time. And I don't think we're going to be seeing that for the near future. They're not focusing on work rate. They're not focusing on matches uh, that deliver in the ring. They're more talking about stories and just hidden spots and you know, it's a huge difference for me. I mean, as a wrestling fan, I've always loved matches like Kurt Angle, Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, and like the matches that deliver in AEW. And I'm not sitting here talking about AEW for any other reason, just to compare the match qualities. And you compare this this event with what's going to be happening at AEW Revolution. It's night and day. And some people enjoy matches like this. And I'm not taking that away from this. Wrestling is a very diverse fan base. There are you know, something for everybody. And just for me, this type of wrestling is not for me. 
I, you know, I'm okay with the spot fest. I'm okay with big guys going at each other. I'm okay with there's certain times and places for the sports entertainment. Uh, there's just too much of it for me right now. Um, you know, I guess there could have been better things to use your Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon or Saturday night, whatever you chose to watch, use this time for, uh, than watching this show. You could just read the results. I do think some of it was worth watching. Um, but again, they're going to be showing replays on Raw and SmackDown, and none of this could have been. It's not. It's not that any of this stuff couldn't have happened on Raw or SmackDown. I guess that's my main issue with it. So, they got to figure out a way to make the put some booking power behind somebody else that's not named Roman or Brock, because it's getting ridiculous at this point. All right. So before we move on, let's talk about the news in wrestling. So. We have uh, a few things, and I guess mostly I was hyping before that Miz partner that will be joining uh, him at WrestleMania, and it seems to be all but confirmed based on uh, what Fightful and Wrestling Observer will be uh, reporting. And it seems like Logan Paul uh, is planned to be Miz's tag team partner against the Mysterios at WrestleMania. So... Take that as you will. I mean, Logan Paul is a huge, huge star. WWE loves to get um, celebrities at WrestleMania. So this is no different. Miz will be working with another celebrity like he did last year with Bad Bunny. So Miz seems to be that guy they like to pair up with the celebrities. And that will be apparently happening at WrestleMania. So, And then we are also seeing uh, the rumors about Stone Cold and Kevin Owens. I haven't seen any movement there, but it seems like status quo. It's almost confirmed that he'll be in Dallas, at least in some capacity. But coming out of retirement, they are trying to coax him to sell out the 100,000 uh, seat uh, sellout that would be at, at uh, Cowboy Stadium. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to talk about is Bobby Lashley undergoing shoulder surgery. So this was about an hour ago. Uh, let me just pull up the article. So we saw that he really get, didn't have any action. And apparently the the concussion protocol storyline is a way to get him out of the match because of the fact that he has been injured uh, since the Royal Rumble. So according to former WWE writer Kazim Finude, he reported on the Ringer Wrestling Show that Lashley will undergo shoulder surgery. And he'll be out at least four months. Um, this is what he had said on his show. I have under good authority that Lashley is shoot hurt and has been hurt since the Rumble match. If you notice, he hasn't worked any Raws. He hasn't really defended his title. He was shoot hurt at the Lesnar match at the Rumble, from what I'm told. It's for at least four months. Shoulder surgery. I'm hearing that he might not even make it to Mania. So that is the update on Bobby Lashley. It's a shame because you know, I love seeing him as WWE Champion. But I guess this sort of explains the booking. And maybe that's the reason that they put the title on him and took it off so quickly. Maybe they didn't realize he was hurt or he got hurt during the Rumble match. I'm sure we might get more information about that. Uh, it's a shame because Bobby Lashley had some momentum behind him. I was hoping that he'd be able to defend his championship at WrestleMania against maybe someone like Seth Rollins, uh, even someone like Austin Theory. It would have been cool to see. Uh, but no, we will have both championships involved in the main event with Roman and Brock. Um, 
Let's see. So we also had Bianca Belair talking about wanting to redeem herself uh, against Becky Lynch at WrestleMania 38. So she did an interview with Sports Illustrated following her women's elimination chamber match. Went on Saturday to earn a title shot against Royal Women's Champion Becky Lynch. Um, so here are some of the highlights. So she had said it's going to be a two women's main event winners from WrestleMania history going one on one. So there's a lot of anticipation just thinking about it, said Belair. I'm going all out to beat Becky and become Royal Women's Champion. Uh, I plan on redeeming myself against Becky, and that's a lot deeper than just because I lost her lost to her at SummerSlam. That loss showed that life can change in a blink of an eye. Bad things happen, but setbacks don't mean you should give up. SummerSlam, the way it went down, that was very hard for me. Becky told me to get to the back of the line. And that's what I did. And I cheered for everyone else while I worked my ass off to get back to the top. So bad things are going to happen, but it doesn't mean you give up. You keep going. And I'm going to show that when this all comes full circle against Becky at uh, WrestleMania. Um, and then... About the chamber match, she said, I'm honored to be one of the women in the matches at Elimination Chamber, said Beller, who was also a part of WWE's Be A Star event in Jeddah. This is the most women we've ever had in the card in Saudi Arabia and the most matches we've had. My purpose is to go out there and be powerful and strong, representing women in, the, in that way. It's very important for little girls to see that, but it's just as important for little boys to see women as powerful, strong, and determined. That opportunity means a lot, and I'm honored to be a part of it. Um, yeah, so Bianca Belair will be main event with, with Becky, and that, to me, is the right choice. Looking at the rest of the news, the rest is AEW-related, so I'll save that for the AEW show I'm going to be doing with Nick the Comic Nerd on Wednesday after Dynamite. And, yes, we will be back. Hopefully, Nick will be joining me. He was going to be joining me tonight, but he was unable. Uh, so that's really it. Let me know your thoughts on the Elimination Chamber. Maybe you disagree with me. Maybe you loved it. Uh, but as I as my wrestling fandom continues, uh, my preference is moving just away from the sports entertainment content-driven based show that WWE produces. And that's just my opinion. And it's cyclical for WWE. A lot of times they they change the way they do things and sometimes they focus on work rate and uh, having high quality matches, but it seems like that is unimportant to them right now because, we're just getting moments, you know, great things to post on social media and pictures. But as far as meaningful content, we've been really missing that for quite some time. And maybe WrestleMania will deliver some of those moments as far as wrestling goes. But if you look at all the matches on this card, there was really nothing as far as quality. It's more just spectacular moments you know the roman and the goldberg match is the best example of what wwe is producing right now short spurts of just but for a shorter attention span on a fan and i don't think right now wwe is catering towards fans that enjoy those long matches the matches we've seen in the past i think gone are the days of seeing kurt angle uh, and a chris benoit technical match or Matches such as, you know, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker at WrestleMania. We're not going to see those long marathon style matches because they're just trying to put out content that uh, delivers in fast paced motion that, you know, it's, it's just a different approach. And I'm not saying one's wrong, one's right. Uh, there's just my preference and my preference is definitely not what they're delivering. So um, I will continue to deliver the news on WWE. I'll continue to deliver the you know, a level headed approach as far as how, I review the shows. I will give you guys my honest opinion. 
Um, but right now my preference will continue to be AEW, and that's just me. I'm not going to sit here and rag on the product. I know what it is. It's sports entertainment. It's driven towards a different casual type of fan, and that's okay. You know, I'm not sitting here saying they should change. I do miss the days where it wasn't so formulaic. Um, I do think for the benefit of everybody, they should be focused on making new stars. And it's not done through beating guys over and over and over again. They need to really focus on making new stars uh, by putting strong booking behind them. Um, and they don't, you don't have to book someone strong, you know, by beating everybody else. There's ways to make multiple characters look strong. There was a time. Go back at the time machine, 2001. Think about all the strong, very over characters that are on that roster. Stone Cold, Kurt Angle, Booker T, Undertaker, Chris Jericho. A lot of guys that can be world champions. Right now, look at the whole roster. It's Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and everybody else. And I'll leave you with that. So we're right on the road to WrestleMania. We're only six weeks away. Uh, just to give you guys an update tomorrow, or it's Monday, yeah, Monday. well, it's 12.05, so technically Monday, uh, 12, 12 p.m., I think, or whenever it's dropping, Turnbuckle Tavern will be posting the debate show that I was uh, on, on, I forget when we filmed it, a couple days ago. Uh, we'll be talking about a few things. I'm going to pull up the... Pull up the art quick so you guys can have the, the topics in mind. So we will be talking about who will be the next three AEW world champions. We will be talking if the AEW roster is too bloated. And we will be talking about the big topic. Is Cody leaving a shoot or a work? So the art is here. You guys can check out my Instagram. Make sure you guys like and subscribe Turnbuckle Tavern. Make sure you guys like and subscribe here Ace for the Retro if you guys are enjoying the content. As I mentioned, I will be back on Wednesday to discuss AW Dynamite from Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, some stuff announced for the show. But we are moving fast and furious towards uh, AW Revolution, which is March 6th. That's a Sunday. So uh, pretty. Uh, it's coming up quick, and that card is looking absolutely stacked. So... We will certainly be on here discussing AW Revolution and all those stuff. We will be on here talking about WrestleMania. All the big events will be on here, whether it's just me, another guest, or maybe Nick the Comic Nerd. Uh, we'll continue to hop on here and give you guys some wrestling content uh, that hopefully you're enjoying. But that's all I have for you right now. I've been Ace Field Retro, and I'll see you guys Wednesday.